for your teaching. Lord, thank you for the fellowship that we've had here. Lord, and I pray that as we go back to our homes and the places we live, that we would be able to sing your wonderful story to everybody that we meet, Lord Jesus. Amen. Lord, I pray that as Sheila comes to speak to us this morning, Lord, that it would be through your strength, Lord, that you would speak through her and that she would know the right words to say. Amen. Amen. This morning we're going to turn to Acts, and we're going to turn to Acts chapter 11. Acts chapter 11. Peter reports to the church. Now the apostles and the brothers who were throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcision party criticized him, saying, You went to uncircumcised men, and you ate with them. But Peter began and explained it to them in order. I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision, something like a great sheet descending, being let down from heaven by its four corners, and it came down to me. Looking at it closely, I observed animals and beasts of prey and reptiles and birds of the air. And I heard a voice saying to me, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But I said, By no means, Lord, for nothing common or unclean has ever entered my mouth. But the voice answered a second time from heaven, What God has made clean do not call common. This happened three times, and all was drawn up again into heaven. And behold, at that very moment, three men arrived at the house in which we were, sent to me from Caesarea. And the Spirit told me to go with them, making no distinction. These six brothers also accompanied me, and we entered the man's house. And he told us how he had seen the angel standing in his house, and say, Send to Joppa and bring Simon, who is called Peter. He will declare to you a message by which you will be saved, you and all your household. And as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on them, just as on us at the beginning. And I remembered the word of the Lord, how he said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If then God gave the same gift to them as he gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could stand in God's way? 
And when they heard these things, they fell silent. And they glorified God, saying, Then to the Gentiles also God has granted repentance that leads to life. What an incident in the life of Peter. And we're going to come to that incident in a moment. But I'm just going to read you a few words from 2 Corinthians. You don't need to look them up. I'm just going to read them. And it's these words. But thanks be to God who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To one a fragrance from death to death, to the other a fragrance from life to life. Who is sufficient for these things? Have you ever thought that we carry the aroma of Christ to the world? You know, both those who know him and those who have not yet accepted this offer of eternal life, we carry the aroma of Christ with us wherever we go. And you know, it attracts some people and to them they receive eternal life. But some people reject it, and to them it will mean death. Because the Bible tells us, doesn't it, that the wages of sin is death. So it is the same aroma that we carry around in us, but the reactions to it are different. Now, you know, a few years ago, well, a few years ago, many years ago now, I was given a bottle of perfume. I was given to it by my sister-in-law, and it was a really nice perfume. It was one of those spicy perfumes. And I really liked it. So I started to wear this perfume. But after a while, I kept going, what is that funny smell? It smells like bleach. And do you know what I discovered? I discovered that it was that perfume that had turned to bleach on me. I had reacted to that perfume. The perfume was the same, but the reaction to it was different. But then I got a, another gift. It was a gift from my brother-in-law. And he used to work over in Saudi Arabia, and he used to bring gifts for his sisters and his sister-in-law. And he used to say to the air hostess, can you tell me what to get? And so she said, have these. So he brought this perfume. And it's, it's a wonderful perfume. I love it. And I've been wearing it ever since. And our Emma always knows I'm around because she, because she can smell me. <laughs> she recognises the perfume. <laughs> it's, all, it's a signature perfume. And I, it was really nice. You know, and it, it was in a beautiful box. It was very expensive. It was in a glass bottle. But, you know, it was no use leaving it in the glass bottle and just leaving it there because you couldn't smell it. The aroma was contained within the bottle. It was if you sprayed a little or dabbed a little that you began to get the effect of this aroma of this perfume. But one day, oh, I remember it so well, one day I dropped the bottle. Oh, 
Uh, it was expensive perfume and I dropped it. But do you know what? The bottle broke. weeks and you know what we can be like that bottle the Holy Spirit comes into us the Holy Spirit comes in and lives us and the aroma is wanting to get out but it can't get out it can't get out because of the container that it is in and that container is me and you and sometimes we block that container from, from releasing the aroma. Little bits come out here and there, like when you spray it. But for it to be really powerful and really appreciated, the container needs to be broken. And the, the, our, our container needs to be broken. And the full effect of the Holy Spirit and its aroma can then be seen everywhere. And that's where we left Peter. Yesterday, we left Peter at that place of brokenness. We left Peter at that place where he was fully surrendered to God. We left him at that place where he finally denied himself, took up his cross, and was eager to follow Jesus wherever Jesus took him. We left him at that place where his will, his inner thoughts, his attitudes, his actions, his words were all surrendered to Jesus. Jesus was in control. And it was the place he'd been broken, but it's the place where the Holy Spirit can flow out. And, you know, the Holy Spirit could flow out of Peter, he'd been broken, but Peter was still, still human. He was still prone to sin. You know, he was walking in brokenness, but there was a difference in him. Now he knew when he sinned what to do with it. Looking back on his life, he would have remembered Jesus washing the disciples' feet and telling him all he needs to do when he sins and get his gets his spiritual feet dirty is to come back to Jesus back to Jesus to have that little bit of him washed, cleansed, and for it to be forgiven. So this is the same Peter that we met on Monday, but now it is a Peter who's controlled by the Holy Spirit. And you know, the things that got him into trouble before could now be used by God and for God. He was outspoken. And if that was left under his control, that could get him into all sorts of trouble. But under the Holy Spirit's control, he became a mouthpiece of Jesus. He could act impulsively, and that can lead you into all sorts of places. But under the Holy Spirit's control, he could act quickly and did act quickly for Jesus. He was an action man with self-centered motives. But now he became an action man for Jesus. He was confident in himself. But now all his confidence was in God. All these things 
were now under the Holy Spirit's control, and God was using them effectively to draw people to him. We're all different. We've all got different strong points, and we've all got different weaknesses, and they get us into trouble when self is in control. And you know, we must never, ever underestimate the power, the strength, and the downright sneakiness of self. Because it'll try and get in without you knowing it. We mustn't underestimate that. But when the Holy Spirit is in control, these things can be used effectively for God. And each one is vital in the body of Christ and the building of the church. We've got a lady in our church at home, and she really thinks she's got nothing for the Lord. But she's a chatterbox. She's very sociable. Now, if that's under her control, that can lead to gossiping and saying all sorts of things and letting your tongue run away with you. But do you know what? When it's controlled by the Holy Spirit, God can use that. And he uses that in all sorts of places. We were down at our local social club the other week, and we were listening open-mouthed to her. She's sitting there in the middle of the social club telling somebody about Jesus. And it's coming out naturally. Why don't you go to church? You know, I like going to this church. Why don't you go? It's, a, you know, etc. She can't help herself. She just spills over. And it's that. It's because that gift that she, that personality trait is guided and controlled by the Spirit. So the Spirit lives in us from the moment we give our lives to Jesus. Peter and his disciple, the disciples had to wait for that. They were told when Jesus ascended into heaven that they'd got to return to Jerusalem and wait for the power of the Holy Spirit to come upon them. And he said, you wait, when he comes, you will be my witnesses all over the world. Twelve men, you will be my witnesses all over the world. But God is there too, you see. The Holy Spirit is in it. And what a difference it made to Peter. He preached his first sermon on that day. And do you know, the words he had read came back to him. The things Jesus said, he now understood. He now spoke with power and authority. Do you know, people were drawn to the Lord. 3,000 were converted to Jesus on that day alone. Peter had gone through many, many trials in his life, but now he was ready to become that channel for Jesus that Jesus knew he could be. And look how much he's changed. He spoke with boldness. He spoke with calmness and reassurance. He was a true leader. He spoke with wisdom. He spoke with gentleness to those who needed it. What a contrast this was to the old Peter. And you know, James 3 verse 8 tells us that no human being can tame the tongue. But the Holy Spirit had control over Peter's tongue 
and it showed in all he said. But these things just come out. You don't even have to think about these words. They just sort of tumble out. And it's only after you've said them that you realise what you've said. And this morning I was having a proper moan at Rich. And Rich sort of, he was very gracious. <laughs> but he said something and oh, I felt awful. What I was saying was not under the control of the spirit. It was self popping out. The trouble is it pops out so often. But I know what to do with it. I take it back to the Lord. I confess that what I said was not what the Lord would have said in that situation. And the Lord can cleanse. That's not to say it won't come back again. But when it does, I know what to do with it. And so it goes on. If it comes back again, I know what to do with it. Take it to the cross. And I, I seem to spend my life sometimes doing that. You know, can we say the same about our tongues? Peter's tongue, the, the Lord used. But, you know, we can say good things. We can say bad things. Some things we say in a kind voice some in a very sarcastic voice. Sometimes you say the right things in the wrong tone of voice and people know what's in your heart even though you're trying to be kind. You know, we can't control these things but when the Holy Spirit is in charge he can do that and he does. We had a friend who, um, called Brenda and she became a Christian now, before she became a Christian, she had a tongue on her like an old fishwife. She used to swear all the time. And she, in her old people's home where she lived, she had a reputation for her language. She became a Christian. She stopped swearing overnight. The Lord took it away from her. The Spirit can deal with these things. So now we come back to Peter. Three times he denied Jesus, and now he was called before the main court in Jerusalem. What was he going to do? The last time he'd been asked questions, he denied Jesus. What was he going to do in front of these powerful men? Well, he spoke up for Jesus. He said, there is salvation in no one else for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. What a difference to the Peter who denied his Lord. Now he speaks out for him wherever he is. And you know, when he was, um, when he was charged by the, Holy, the, Holy, the high priest, he was told he mustn't say anything. And Peter said, we must obey God rather than man. Peter had really changed in his heart. Prayer became a priority to the early church. Peter, who couldn't pray for Jesus at this, his Jesus' time of need, became a man of prayer. Several times in Acts, we are told that the people prayed earnestly. And they saw spectacular answers to their prayers. 
do we, as a body of Christ, truly understand the power of prayer? I can't help but feeling that if we did, we'd be on our knees in prayer more often. And you know, everything now was done in the name of Jesus. People watched the things that Peter did. How did he know where he got the how did they know where he got the power to live that way? I'll tell you how they knew. Because Peter always told them. Peter said, I do it in Jesus' name. And in our churches and in our lives, we do good things to eat for each other. And we get people onto the premises, but the problem is they don't come to the church. We find that so much down where we live. They say they'll come into the coffee morning, they'll come into this, they'll come into the, the harvest supper, but they will not come to church. But you know, we talk to them, we're sociable with them, but do we ever tell them that this church is here because of what Jesus did? We just expect them to know it somehow, and we're surprised when they don't. This Peter, who did things in his own strength, now was doing things in the name of Jesus. He was still human, but the Holy Spirit was flowing out through him, and he knew how to keep the channels clean. I had an experience several years ago now of the Holy Spirit working through me. And there'd been a prophecy in our church at, um, in Windsor, and I didn't hear this prophecy, but people said that the prophecy had not been completed. They didn't feel it had been completed. It was a prophecy that said that God called, but he did not listen. And because of that, because of that, calamity will strike the people. And he said, I, they, haven't they have, hadn't been finished, me. Well, anyway, he said that calamity would strike the people. And it was in Proverbs 1. And about a fortnight later, I was driving along and then into my head popped the words, my people are afraid and they need not be afraid. I went to church next morning and I sort of bounced off my seat and I knew, I knew I'd got to say it. So I said this and then I sat down and I quivered because it wasn't something said in the third person, this was said in the first person. I, I was so worried. I was so worried that what I'd said would not be true. That what I had said was coming from me. Until I read Proverbs 1. And I read the last verse of Proverbs 1. And the last verse of Proverbs 1. Well, you're all going to look for it now, aren't you? I mean... All translations say things differently. But my translation more or less said this. It more or less said, my people are afraid, and they need not be afraid. And I thought, well, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. But do you know what else I thought? I thought, I'm so pleased that I had learned this way of walking before I had this experience. Because I knew that if it had been something that came from me and not from the Lord, I 
knew what I could do with it. I didn't have to go on pretending that the Lord had spoken through me. I knew I could take it to the cross. I knew I could be forgiven. I knew my sin could be cleansed. And you know what? I've never forgotten that. Never forgotten that experiences. It is so important to keep those channels clean. And that's what Peter knew. That's what Peter knew. And that's what made him a channel for God. But there were big changes on the horizon for the church. God was calling Peter and the church to do something different. You know, they got used to do, doing things the same way for dozens of years in the Jewish church, and change comes as a shock to us. But Peter and his disciples had preached to and shared Jesus with anyone who would listen. And as a result, the gospel was now moving beyond the bounds of Judaism. It was going out into the Gentile world. Philip preached in Samaria to the Samaritans. These were a, a mixed group, and a, they had mixed Jewish and Gentile heritage. And there was no love lost between the Jews and the Samaritans. But these people listened to Philip and they became Christians. And this was beginning to cause problems in the church because the Jews followed strict food and hygiene laws and Gentiles didn't. And it was threatening to, to cause division in the early church. But God was preparing to deal with this problem. Behind the scenes, God was gathering together his personnel. His circumstances were coming together. So the first scene was Cornelius. Cornelius was a centurion, lived in Caesarea. He feared God, and he prayed continually to God, and he looked after the poor, as God told him he should. And one day, when he was praying, he had a vision of an angel. And the angel came to him and said, God has heard your prayers. Send some men to Joppa. Find Peter and bring him here. So two days later, they went to Peter. P Peter was in Joppa. He was about 30 miles away from Caesarea. And he was spending a few days with his, with his friend Simon the Tanner. And he went up to pray. And he went up onto the roof to pray, and while praying, he had a vision. The heavens opened, and a great sheet was being let down on earth. It was filled with all kinds of animals, reptiles, birds, and a voice said, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. It did strike me after the, the transfiguration whether Peter recognized that voice. I don't know whether he did or not, but I, the thought just passed through my mind. But there was a mix of all kinds of creatures, clean and unclean. And Peter could have expected God to say to him, kill and eat the clean ones. But God didn't say that. No restrictions were put in place. He could eat any of those animals or birds. 
but Peter was startled. This went against the grain. He'd been brought up to eat certain foods and not others, and that if you, uh, if you ate the others, you would be out of fellowship with God. And it went against all he'd been taught. What was Peter going to do? Because this would literally change the habits of a lifetime. It was another testing time for Peter. And Peter said to the Lord, By no means, Lord, for I've never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice replied, What God has made clean, do not call unclean. We do that, don't we? We call things unclean because we just don't like them. God says, that's not unclean to me. Can you call that unclean? We call other people, we think other people are unclean because they've sinned or they've done something we don't want them to do or we think isn't right. But God says, if they've been to me, they're clean. No, how dare you call them unclean? He said that to me one day. That person has gone to the Lord and he's gone to the cross and he's been made clean. Dare you keep coming to me and praying for him and saying that he needs to do this and that and the other. He said, I've called him clean. You must call him clean. Peter was perplexed, inwardly perplexed about what was happening. But do you know what? He was about to find out. Because at that moment... Three men arrived at his door, and they called for Peter. And the Holy Spirit told Peter, go with them immediately. So off they went to Caesarea, and Cornelius, when Peter came in, fell at Peter's feet and worshipped him. And Peter gently said to him, stand up, I too am a man. They'd seen Jesus healing. Peter had healed like Jesus did. They'd heard that Peter had been rescued from prison. They knew he would become well known for his preaching. And yet Peter was still prepared to take the lowest place. Something Jesus had taught him and shown him, just as Jesus did. And you know, God had been speaking to Peter Man-made rules, said the Jews, should not mix with other nations. When they made their man-made rules, they said they shouldn't mix with other nations. What was Peter going to do? His Jewish background said, you don't mix with those people. God was saying to him, you mix with these people, they want to hear about me. Jesus and Peter remembered what he'd said, that he did not obey he did not obey men, he obeyed God, and he went to visit Cornelius. This was an important decision that Peter made for Christians. Would they have the vision to embrace Gentiles fully into their fold? The decision rested with Peter as he could influence the church. What would Peter do? Had God's word gone deep enough into him 
to see him at work in this scenario? Would Peter walk with God in this scenario? And the answer was yes. Yes, he was prepared to go with God and change his way of walking with God. It was asking Peter to change the traditions of centuries. But it showed how Peter listened to and obeyed the Lord. And it showed how much he had changed, how much he had become the channel for this new work. We don't like change, do we? We were in the team meeting yesterday and uh, we were trying to find a day when we could meet. And we always, always meet on a Saturday. Always. So there was no thought of doing it any other day until someone piped up and said, does it have to be a Saturday? And everybody sat up and thought, does it have to be a Saturday? And of course, it doesn't have to be a Saturday. But it was a bit of a shock, just a small change like that. You know, the Lord has to prompt. Think what Peter had to go through to do what he did. And to do this took great courage on Peter's part. These traditions had served them well for centuries. Why should they change now? But God is doing a new thing. And Peter has been chosen to lead the way in this new direction. Where was he going to start? Two cultures were coming together. The potential for disagreement and trouble was great. Peter needed great wisdom to discern what was important and what was not important. What was the heart of the message which could draw these very different people together in fellowship. And God started by showing Peter that in this new fellowship, all were welcomed, all were loved, no matter who or what they had done, all were welcome. From now on, no one was going to be ceremonially clean they were all going to start from the same place. And that place was that they'd been saved by God. And the new covenants would not the new converts would not have to become Jews before they could become Christians. They no longer had to live by the Jewish rules of food, hygiene, the sacrifices they made, the circumcision they had to undergo. Jesus was now their sacrifice for sin and their sacrifice that they, the lamb that they went to when they sinned day by day. The Holy Spirit had set apart them apart for God. It wasn't circumcision that set them apart from God. It was the Holy Spirit who had done the same work. Peter was showing such wisdom and discernment and he was leading by example, just as Jesus had shown him. Now Peter would mix with everyone. All are in need of this gospel. How far are we prepared to go in mixing with anyone who is in need of the gospel? We, um, when we were at church in Windsor, we used to have a couple of men come to our um, 
our evening service. They lived alone and they didn't really look after themselves very carefully. And, you know, I'm, I'm putting that politely. You can read between the lines. They came to church and we all patted ourselves on the back that we allowed them to come to church. But do you know, nobody would sit near them. Nobody would sit near them. How much love did we really show them if we wouldn't sit near them? It's a question, isn't it? It's a challenge to us all. Peter shared the gospel with everybody. He shared Jesus with them. He told them that everyone who believes in Jesus receives forgiveness through his name. This was at Cornelius' house, and then God took over. God himself moved. And the Holy Spirit fell from heaven, just as it had done at Pentecost. Everybody was amazed. This had not been done by people. This had not been done by men. This was done by God himself. Once again, God was moving in unexpected ways. And you know, the news of this got around. Most of the believers in Judah accepted, in Judea, accepted the conversion of the Gentiles. But in Jerusalem, and when Peter got to Jerusalem, there was one small group who complained. And he tried a new tack. He, they stood up and they said, Peter ate with uncircumcised men. This was something the Jews never did. Why did you do that? And Peter stood up and explained all that had happened. How he told them about Jesus, the Holy Spirit fell on them just as it had on the disciples. And he remembered, he remembered what John had said way back when he'd been converted. John said, I baptized with water but you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And they just witnessed the Gentiles being baptized in the Holy Spirit. God himself gave them the same gift as he gave the disciples. How could Peter stand in God's way? What a changed man. What a changed man who was now walking with Jesus and he spoke words of wisdom and they all glorified God and they saw that God had spread out his arms wide to include all the Gentiles. But sadly, this wasn't the end of this story. The issue reappeared in chapter 15 when they had a conference in Jerusalem called the Council of Jerusalem and they were there again discussing conditions for Gentile membership in the church. There was a teaching going round that you have to be circumcised if you want to be saved. If you want to become a Jew, you have to, if you want to be saved, you have to become a Jew first, you have to follow the Jewish ceremonial laws, and then, if you want to, you can become a Christian. And on top of all that, there were rules you had to follow concerning laws, circumcision, and all that sort 
thing. It was causing problems for the Gentiles. It's not very different today, is it, in some churches? Well, in quite a few churches. You can't just have Jesus. You can't just have Jesus. You have to have Jesus and something else. And we put rules and regulations and, and quite a few un, unspoken rules into what you have to do before you can come to our church. What was the outcome of the Council of Jerusalem? Well, Peter stood, Peter again stood up, and he said, categorically, Gentiles did not have to go through circumcision, they did not have to go any through any of the Jewish rules to do this. God could bless them as they were. Their hearts were cleansed by faith. And he stood up and he said, And God who knows the heart bore witness to them by giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he did to us. And he made no distinction between us and them having cleansed their hearts by faith. Now, therefore, why are you putting God to the test by placing a yoke on the neck of the disciples that neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear? But we believe that we will be saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, <coughs> just as they were. Peter was showing in these few verses, just how much he understood of the teachings of Jesus. Because, you know, the rabbis often used to refer to the yoke in reference to law. And when he's talking here, he says, Now, therefore, why are you putting God to the test by placing a yoke on the neck of the disciples that neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear? Peter is saying, we, the law was a burden to us. We could not fulfill it. It was a yoke that was sat on our shoulders. But he said, salvation could not be obtained through living this, keeping this law. Only through the grace of the Lord Jesus could we be saved. All these laws and things just put burdens on us. They just point out to us when we are not doing what God wants us to do. And that, in its turn, points us to the cross. And Peter said, I cannot put this burden on new believers. Because, he said, it totally negates the message of grace, of free salvation for all. It makes a mockery of all that Jesus died for, that we could be saved, that, we, that it was a free salvation. The law beats us when we cannot keep it, but the grace of the Lord offers new life. It offers a new heart, it offers forgiveness, it offers cleansing when we fall, and it should be open to everyone. And because of what he went through, Peter had these principles etched on his soul, and he applied them in his life. This is what he wanted for the people who lived under the new covenant then, 
and he will continue to do so until Jesus comes again. He wanted them to live under a covenant of grace. And you know what? The final change we see in Peter is that he had peace. Peace in every situation. He'd been arrested. He'd been taken before the rulers, the elders and the scribes. He'd faced imprisonment, earthquakes. Throughout it all, he never lost his peace. He'd even been told by Jesus that he would suffer even in death. And chapter 12 finds him once more going through difficult times. King Herod was having a purge on the church. And the first person he took was Peter's friend and fellow disciple, James. One of those who had fished on the Sea of Galilee with him. And he was the first to suffer at the hands of Herod. And Herod killed him. And he saw it pleased the Jews. So he arrested Peter as well. He threw Peter into a prison and he made sure he had loads of guards there with him all the time. But do you know what? Peter was obviously not troubled. He had that peace which passes all understanding because in spite of all that had happened, he slept soundly that night. If you don't have peace, you don't sleep soundly. And Peter had total peace. The believers were praying earnestly for him. And in the middle of the night, he was woken by an angel telling him to get up. He went straight to the home of Mary. He didn't recognize him at first. This was a quick answer to prayer. But they were full of joy and amazement when they did. Peter knew that his time in Jerusalem had come to an end. He let his friends know he was safe. He let his friends know that their prayers had been answered. And then it just says, and it's just a little phrase, then he departed and went to another place. He just left Jerusalem quietly. No fuss, no bother, slipped quietly out of the city. Work there had finished. Jesus was calling him to other things and he followed the Lord. He left Jerusalem behind and because the Lord is calling, he followed him. Yet again evidence of how Peter changed. Jesus always took supremacy in his life. Peter had become a channel for Jesus. And you know, because of Peter's leadership of the church in the very early days, it made it possible for the whole world to meet and walk with Jesus. Peter learned to deny himself and let the Holy Spirit have control over his life. It was an exciting, turbulent ride, and he found complete peace and contentment. He knew it was better to be in the Lord's hands than anywhere else. It brought an end to the struggle for supremacy between God's God's spirit and his strong self. Nothing fazed him anymore. And he never forgot those lessons he learned. He never forgot all he'd gone through to become the rock on which Christ built his church. He knew 
Christ alone we put his trust. And that's what we're going to sing now. We're going to go into discussion groups later. Oh, you want me to uh, read the questions first, don't you? 175, I think it is. Questions. Question one. How was Peter changed by the Holy Spirit throughout his life? Question two. How did the church grow under Peter's leadership? Question three. The church has built up many traditions over the years. Are we in danger of losing the essence of our faith? What is the message at the heart of the gospel? And is it still relevant for today? Question four. What stops the Holy Spirit flowing out of us? Question five. God's people had been living under the law, not grace, and it laid a great burden on their shoulders. Why does living under grace lift that burden and set us free? Thank you. So we... So to, to bring our conference, not quite to an end, but to bring it to a joyful, uplifting finish, we're going to sing one, is it 175? Yes? 175, In Christ Alone. And when we've sung In Christ Alone, we will get into groups and I will come and bring these questions out.